I'm going to read here from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Everyone say good news. Good news news of great joy. Everybody say great joy. joy. It will be for all the people. Everyone say all the people. people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is God's word. On December 11th, Jordan Bays, a man from Bremen, Kentucky, was walking through what was left of his home after it had been destroyed by a tornado the night before, and his sister was in another room just trying to find whatever she could that could be salvaged and pack it into a suitcase, and while she was packing things away, she heard a noise from uh, from the other room where her brother was that she didn't expect to hear. So she gets out her phone, she pulls up the camera, she starts recording video, and as she walks out of where she was, she pans from one side of the house to the next. And first thing that you notice is that the roof of this home had been completely lifted up. The house had been completely destroyed, entire walls had collapsed, there were wires that were falling over uh, the walls that remained. Uh, Virtually everything had been destroyed by heavy wind and rain and and debris, there were branches that had fallen. Uh, But as she panned to the left, there is her brother Jordan sitting peacefully at a Yamaha piano, and he's softly playing uh, the lyrics and, and the tune to a famous hymn that's several decades old, and the lyrics go like this. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. There's just something about that name. Jordan Bays, in the aftermath of the chaos and the destruction, he had lost his home, but he had not lost his hope. And the anchor in that moment that he was calling hope was the name of Jesus Christ. 
Now, if you look at the events from Luke chapter 1 and 2, our, our church family has spent the last few weeks looking at all this on Sunday mornings. If there's one word from a human perspective that you might use to describe everything Joseph and Mary were experiencing in Luke chapter 1 and 2, that word would probably be chaos. Uh, nine months earlier, Mary receives this very unexpected visit from an angel and this news that she is, is miraculously pregnant with child. Even though she's a virgin, she is going to uh, conceive and bear a son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this child wasn't just going to be any child. This is the child that was going to be the savior of the world. And Joseph at first, that this is not what he had signed up for. And so he's a little weirded out by all this and had really resolved that he was actually just going to quietly let Mary go and, and bring this thing to a close. But then the angel comes to Joseph and, and brings him words of comfort. So here we are nine months later, it's baby time, right? And, and they're not in a labor and delivery room at MUSC or in Beaufort, Maine. Uh, they, they've got to travel 90 miles uh, all the way into Bethlehem from Nazareth because that was Joseph's hometown. This is government efficiency at its best, right? And, and they, they're all the known world at this point in time. They have to return to their place of birth. So Joseph is returned with his family. So understand that they're not just showing up to register for a census. Like they're showing up to register for the purposes of taxation. Not a great Christmas. Like, not, not something that's really ideal, especially considering that Mary is nine months pregnant. She's due to give birth at any given moment. So they show up. There's no place to stay except for this stable. And it's not just going to be a hotel room. It's also going to be a labor and delivery room. Everything surrounding this circumstance is chaos. And at the end of the chaos in verse 21 comes a name. It's the name of Jesus. What is it about this name? What is the something about the name of Jesus? What is it about the name of Jesus Christ that a man after having the roof lifted off of his home and his entire life turned upside down, all of his possessions destroyed, that he can sit down and find peace in a name? What is the something about the name of Jesus Christ? You know, we're often, I think, guilty sometimes of reducing Jesus just to a positive or influential religious figure among an endless pantheon of other religious leaders. We're easily drawn to the loving and merciful nature of the ministry of Jesus, right? I mean, he served the poor, he fed the hungry, he healed the sick, he's a friend to everyone else that, that had been rejected, he's a friend to the oppressed, he's a friend to the marginalized, he gives these people a seat at his table. But, but here's the thing, a lot of people through history have done these things. A lot of people through history have come doing things that Jesus did and claiming similar things that Jesus claimed. So what sets Jesus apart from the rest? And we find the answer to this if we go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, when Gabriel appears to Mary and, and she and delivers this news to Mary of this child that she's going to carry. He gives her this instruction. You will call his name Jesus. And then he gives her the reason for he will save his people from their sins. This is what sets Jesus apart from everyone else. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus healed the sick, but his primary purpose was not building hospitals. Jesus fed the hungry, but his primary purpose was not to build a food pantry. Jesus served the poor, but the primary purpose of his coming was not to build a homeless shelter. Lots of people have done these things. What sets Jesus Christ apart from the rest is that he was coming to establish a kingdom that would have no end, and the way he was going to do it was by saving people from their sins. This is what sets Jesus apart. And it really is disheartening that the church over the last couple of millennia, it, it, 
It, it is so easy for us to drift away from the simplicity of, of who Jesus was and what he did and the way he ministered. It's easy to drift away from the simplicity of serving the poor, of, of healing the sick, of feeding the hungry, of, of these things that Jesus did, these good things that Jesus did when he was here and these things that he calls us to do. But even as we do these good works, we have to remember this isn't what sets us apart as followers of Christ. When Gabriel appeared to Mary, he didn't say to Mary, you'll call his name Jesus because he'll serve the poor, because he'll feed the hungry, because he'll feed the sick, because he'll embrace the outcast, because he will bring justice to the oppressed, because he will include the marginalized. He did all of these things. He had instructed Mary, you will call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Jesus was not crucified because of the good works that he did. Jesus was crucified because of the claims that he was making. The one thing that he came to do was the one thing that people were least inclined for him to do. No one wants to admit that they're wrong. Nobody wants to admit that they're a bad person. No one wants to admit that they're a sinner in need of a savior, yet that's exactly why Jesus came. That's the something about his name. The something about the name of Jesus is that he is the someone who can bring salvation to our souls. No one else can do this. You know, a pastor in um, Charlotte, North Carolina, a guy uh, named Derwin Gray, I heard him say recently that, that even Christians, sometimes we can be really guilty of having what he calls a Santa Claus theology. And what he meant by that was, you know, we, we tend to view like, hey, there's a God, and if there's a God, you know, there's, there's sort of a naughty list and a nice list, right? And, and so what I need to do is spend my life doing things to get on the nice list. All the things that Jesus did. I need to serve the poor. I, I need to feed the hungry. I need to, to include uh, those who have been rejected. I need to bring justice to the oppressed. Do these things. Spend a life doing these things. You'll land on the nice list and you get heaven when you die. If you don't do these things, you'll land on the naughty list. And that's how we tend to see this. And what I want you to hear me tell you loud and clear this evening, friends, is that is not Christianity. If, if you're part of our church family, you've heard this before, but this is the simplest way I know how to say it. Christianity is not prescriptive, it is descriptive. It's different than every other religious system. It is not a list of, hey, here are all of the things that you need to do, and hopefully, if you do enough of them, you get heaven when you die. That is not Christianity. Christianity is not prescriptive, it's descriptive. It's an announcement. It's a declaration, not of what we do to get to God, but of what God has done in coming to us. That's what tonight is about. This word Advent, it means that God has come to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh stepped into the time and space of human history, fully God to live the perfectly sinless life that we could never live and fully man to die the death on the cross that we deserve. It's news. That's why the angel says in verse 10, I come bringing you good news great joy, and it's for all people. This is nothing we can earn on our own. This is nothing we can do on our own. This is the announcement. This is the news, that there's a holy creator God who created us to be in relationship with him. He, he made us in his image, different from anything else in creation. He makes us in his image and creates us to be in relationship with him, but both by birth and participation, we have sinned. We're separated from God. 
The bad news of this is that there's absolutely no amount of good that we can do. You can check every box that we just looked at a few moments ago. You can do all of the good works that the Bible prescribes. You can do all of the good things that that hundreds of thousands of religious leaders have been prescribing through all of the century, and no amount of good works will ever be able to overcome the debt of our sin. It's the bad news. We can't fix this on our own. Good news, God can God, in his love, he provides what his justice demands. He sends his son, Jesus Christ. He lives the perfectly sinless life that you and I could have never lived. He stands in our place in death. He goes to the cross that you and I deserve. He rose again from the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and friends. As certain as he came to us once, he's going to come to us again. This is the good news. This is the announcement. This is what God has done for us. It's good news. It brings great joy, and it's for all people. That's the something about the name of Jesus, is that he's the someone who's come to save our sins. You know, um, this past Sunday, excuse me, um, what was a little bit of a, of a sober day for me and my family, um, this past Sunday marked 10 years since my dad passed away. And um, for us, uh, this was uh, an unexpected thing 10 years ago. He'd had cancer for four years, but the circumstances of his death, it was still very unexpected, kind of a freak thing, the way that all of it happened. And um, God in his providence had, had orchestrated things in such a way that I just so happened to be in my hometown this past week. And I grew up uh, in Western North Carolina, a little town called Boone. And um, I was in uh, Maggie Valley um, the week, uh, for a couple days before for the wedding of a lifelong best friend, a guy I'd known since kindergarten. And, and I, I just resolved in my heart, I was like, one way or another, we're going to find a way. Like, Maggie Valley is a couple hours from Boone, but we're going to get to Boone so that we can be on my dad's graveside uh, on uh, the anniversary of his death. And um, if you've walked through grief before, you know, it kind of hits different people in different ways. Um, I have found across the last decade, it hits me in fives. So year five was pretty hard. And I'll be honest, like this year has been really, really hard. It's, it's been a pretty dark December, but I was just resolved in my heart, I, I want to go to my dad's graveside. And um, man, it's, it's very conflicting for me. You know, I, I've really this year especially wrestled with a lot of the fact that uh, my dad was like the primary spiritual influence in my life, but you know, he, he never with me physically gets to see this church. I know that he gets to see all of this great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, but, but it's hard for me knowing that, that, that I will look out and cross these services for as long as I'm a pastor of this church and I'll never see my dad's face. It's very, very difficult for me to have three boys that, that I know will never meet their grandfather. Man, I've, over the last decade, I have wrestled with that grief. It has crippled me at times. I've dealt with, with paralyzing a depression that I've had to walk through at multiple levels. But it was so important to me to go stand at that graveside because deep down inside, it, it wasn't just about being there to commemorate the fact that it's been 10 years since my dad passed away. I wanted to go stand in his graveside and I wanted to smile with my boys and take a picture so that we could remind death that it's been defeated. I want to remind death that it doesn't get the final say. I want to remind death that that its curse has absolutely been broken. I want to remind Satan that he has lost. And it's all true because Jesus came. It's all true because of Christmas. It's all true because God in the flesh came into the time and space of human history and he entered our brokenness and he stands victorious over all of it. There's something about the name of Jesus. It's it's what gave me comfort standing by my dad's graveside this past Sunday is the same thing that gave me comfort in his hospital room 10 years before when the life support was removed and we watched him take his last breaths. The one word that gives me comfort and peace in those moments is the name of Jesus. There's something about 
that name. There's something about that name. It's at that name we see all through the word of God that darkness trembles and demons flee. At the name of Jesus, storms are halted and mountains move. When he opens his mouth, hell is shaken and graves are open. There's something about that name. It's the name above every other name. It's the only name under heaven by which man can be saved. It's at his name that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, if I could summarize Christmas for you in two words, it's pretty simple. Jesus saves. He will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the good news for us tonight is that he is way better at saving than we are at sinning. And his grace is always one step ahead of our sins. And my, my invitation for you this evening is simple. No matter where you are, no matter how messy your life is, no matter how chaotic themes might seem, Jesus will enter into that with you. The, the promise of God with us, it's God with you in the worst of the worst of the worst of your moments. It, the gospel is that God saw you at your worst and he still gave you his very best by giving you his son, Jesus Christ. God will enter into the chaos with you. And regardless of how chaotic it seems, you find peace and comfort in the name of Jesus. We just bow your heads with me here for a couple of moments as we wrap up our time together this evening. You, you may be asking yourself the question, what is it exactly that God offers me? And what Christmas tells us is it's very simple. God is what God offers you. He offers you himself. You know, it, it's, it's going to sound cliche, and it probably is, but, but the reality is that the very best gift you could ever give or receive has already been given. God could not have given us more than he gave us when he gave us Jesus. He saw us at our worst, and he still gave us his best. And he invites you into this. He invites you into this relationship. He invites you into this fellowship. He wants to meet you in the broken spaces of your life. The parts of your life that you think are absolutely untouchable and unreachable, Jesus wants to enter in with you. There's comfort and there's hope and there's joy and there's peace to be found in his name. God's word tells us that anyone who calls on his name will be saved. Anyone who agrees with him that they're a sinner in need of a savior, you're not going to find him in his wrath. You're going to find his inviting love and grace to forgive and to heal and to redeem and to restore. Listen, if tonight, if that's you, we shared this a few moments ago. We've given you these next steps cards. Maybe tonight you're wondering, what does it mean for me to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ? To surrender my heart to Christ. To believe in the good news. To find great joy in the name of Jesus Christ. Use those next steps cards this evening. Just indicate that to us. Let us follow up with you over the next few days. Let us pray for you and encourage you. But Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. Father, we did not deserve him. In our sin, we did not deserve him. But you, in your mercy, 
gave him to us. Lord, remind us that we're not here tonight just to sing some songs and to check a box of a tradition, but to celebrate and to commemorate the coming of a Savior because we needed one. So, Father, as we prepare to go from this place tonight, as we sing, as we pray, as we reflect, Lord, as we go from this place and we enjoy family, we enjoy gifts, we enjoy each other's company. Lord, would you be glorified through it all? And every step of the way, help us to keep your son, Jesus, at the forefront. We thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you for the Savior who has come to save us from our sins. We worship him now. We ask all this in his name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.